When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coach Unplugged is brought to you by great people over at teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. Here is your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coach Unplugged, episode 345. Happy Thursday. Uh, before we get off to the podcast, I want to make sure I give you a big shout out to our sponsors, Dr. Dish. Um, you know, go over and check them out. If for no other reason, it's easy to put the thing away. <laughs> uh, it's so easy. I think I can do it in about 30 seconds and get it all set up and ready to rock and roll for my players. So go over and check it out. Make sure you mention Coach Unplugged and they'll give you $300 off your your next purchase. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, you know, there's no better time to work on your craft. There's no better time. Um, I can tell you right now from what I've been doing the last two or three weeks, there's going to be a lot of great resources. All the stuff that you want, all the courses you want, all the videos you want, hundreds of hours of videos, resources, a community of like-minded coaches. I can't imagine a better place. I built for something I would have wanted 30 years ago before I'd won all these games. So go over and check it out and uh, let me know what you think. All right, talk to you. Let's head off to the podcast. A defensive player there, it just isn't game speed. Um, you know, people talk about game shooting drills. Well, you know, yeah, we, we're taking game, game shots at game spots at game speed, which generally just means we're doing conditioning. You know, we're just, we're just running a lot and shooting shots from the approximate area where we think we shoot shots during games. You know, or we're using whatever cut we use uh, to shoot a shot during games. So for you know, for a pin down team, we're coming off a pin down, right? You know, and shooting. If we're if we're a driving kick team, then we're just you know basically standing still and shooting jump shots. You know, whatever it is. Um, and you know, to me, that's not a game shot. Just because you're standing in a in a general location doesn't make it you know game shooting. Just because you run fast into a shot doesn't make a game shooting because a lot of shots are stationary shots, you know? Um, and so for me, if it doesn't involve a choice to shoot, um, which probably means you've got to have a passing option and a defensive player there, uh, then it's not a game shooting drill. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't mean it's bad. It's like almost a difference uh, of like, it's almost like I think often we get uh, what we do sometimes it's, more of a system than really a game situation, you know? Uh, and so I think as coaches, we get, we get caught up in, all right, this is our system and these are the shots we're going to get and the things we got to do. But if you don't add the defense, you don't add those things within two on two, three on three, you're not getting into the context of what a game is really like. And I, I watched the high school tournament this year in the state of Wisconsin. And I watched the NCAA tournament this year. A lot of, a lot of players made a lot of mental mistakes and so um, I think that that's really needed in, in, in our practices. And that's why I'm a huge advocate of reading your book is that it really talks about the whole cerebral part of the game and preparing and mentally preparing the kids uh, for, for that, that performance task. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, so you uh, talk about Dick Bennett a little bit, which 
you know, somebody for, from us, we're from Wisconsin out here, um, thought process of trying to emphasize three things in your team or program. Um, why do you think that holds true? And could you touch on that a little bit? Because I think it's, I think it's a, a, an interesting way of kind of developing your practice and what you do um, within your practice as a coach. Uh, yeah, I think, I think, it, I mean, I, I think if you try to do too many things, um, you know, you're probably not going to do anything really well, you know? So, um, you know, like I, last year, um, you know, my first year here, uh, you know, we were kind of known for shooting. Um, you know, I think we were, I know we were top five in the nation in three point attempts. I think we were maybe top two in three point attempts, but I didn't really think we shot the ball that well. And so when I looked at our stats and who we had coming back and our record and stuff like that, I I said at this time last year, I'm like, look, and I told some of the, some of the girls on the team, they didn't believe me. I'm like, look, we're going to be top five in the nation next year in three point percentage. You know, we're going to be top five in three point makes and we're going to be top 10, you know, and feel in free throw percentage, you know, we, we hit all those. Um, and you know, so we emphasize shooting, you know, that's with the group that we had, <clears throat> that was going to be a major way that we could, you know, win or separate ourselves from, from other teams. You know, we were never going to be the biggest team. We were never gonna be the fastest team. We were never gonna be the best defensive team, but we had a chance we could be the best shooting team. You know, and I'd say and there's probably only one other team in the country who could, you know, go head to head with us just in a, you know, on a shooting standpoint, because um, they shot even more threes than us somehow um, and shot roughly the same percentage. So, um, you know, there's one school out there that, that was basically the same as us. But, um, you know, I mean, that was it. Like, you know, we emphasize shooting, you know, and shooting is important in, in everything we do, you know. We really don't do many drills that don't end with shots. Uh, you know, and so now when I look at my team coming and I'm going to have a whole new team next year, you know, I'm looking, all right, well, how can we, you know, I can't expect that we're going to shoot with a whole new team. We're going to shoot the same. You know, I'm losing, you know, my top five shooters. You know, I can't expect that we're going to, you know, be top five in the nation at three-point shooting again. So what can we probably do or improve to make up with that? And, you know, and so that's what I'm looking at now. And so it's not a matter of, okay, well, we're going to improve our half-court defense. We're going to improve our press. We're going to improve, you know, our post play. We're going to improve our rebounding, you know, because as soon as you try to do everything, you know, you become average at everything, you know, and I just don't think you're going to be, if you're average at everything, you're average. Don't you think uh, then your drills become more isolated because you're trying to get so many different things done in a practice? Or like some of the ideas that I take from your book is that you take some of the things that you really want to be good at and you formulate your three-on-three drills and your four-on-four drills based on those things that you want to be really good at for that team that season or for that, if that's the way you want your program to be like. Yeah, I mean, that I would agree. I mean, pretty much – you know, we want to be good at the pick and roll, both offensively and defensively. We want to be, you know, the best team in the country shooting the ball. Um, you know, and so, you know, everything we did, you know, pretty much involved pick and roll and and uh, uh, shooting. You know, two on two, three on three, it doesn't matter. Like that's what that's what we are geared towards to do. Um, and so, I I do think, you know, we practice everything. You know, because we scrimmage so much. I you know, I would imagine we probably scrimmage as much as any team in the country, um, you know, considering two on two, three on three, et cetera, scrimmaging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, my guess is, my guess is we probably play five on five full court more than anybody in the country too. Um, I don't know that, but 
you know, I've never been on a team who plays five on five full court as much as we do. I mean, we play five on five full court games every single day of practice. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, when you're, when you're <clears throat> scrimmaging, you're, you know, you're practicing everything, you know, but, uh, you know, what I'm really paying attention to is probably two to three things. I'm not trying to correct every single mistake on every single, uh, skill, uh, because I, I just think you get lost. Uh, you know, if, if I'm focusing on the offense and I'm, you know, trying to correct technique as the passes and the follow through on a hook shot and, you know, whether or not we should have used our right or left hand, you know, on a layup and shot selection and, you know, and you're, and you're stopping, then you're starting to stop, uh, the action, you know, on literally every, you know, basically every time somebody touches the ball, there's something wrong, you know? So, um, you know, we really, you know, kind of focus on two or three things and, and that's what we really want to be good at. And then, uh, you know, obviously we practice everything. Um, but you know, most of everything, most of our practice comes through, um, you know, uh, scrimmaging. Um, and so, you know, I would say, I would say the third thing we really, we really want to be good at transition defense. Um, you know, cause I really believe that if you make teams play five on five, uh, you know, half court offense, nobody's, I just didn't think teams are that efficient offensively. Um, you know, so we want to, we want to be good in transition defense. We want to shoot the ball and we want to be good at pick and rolls. Um, and so that's kind of what we built our team around this year. Um, you know, next year will probably be a little bit different. Uh, but, um, you know, that kind of accounts for, and that kind of structures our practice right. because almost every, every drill that we do is focusing on one of those three things. We're either, you know, we're doing a half court game where we're either focusing on shooting or we're focusing on pick and roll or both, you know, or, we're focusing on transition defense, you know, in a transition, uh, transition drill, you know, because we focus so much on transition defense then our transition offense gets better, um, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think that if you try to, if you try to be good at everything, you're going to tend to be average at everything. And, you know, with some teams that might, you know, I mean, if you're taking over a really bad team, being average at everything is probably going to be better than, you know, where you were before, where you're probably bad at everything, uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but uh, I, I really think, you know, if you look at the best teams, they tend to hang their hat on something, right. you know, and they, they have an identity, they yeah. have a philosophy and they want to be, you know, top in the country in one or two things. Um, and that's what they do. And, and you know what they do and you still can't beat them at what they do. Yep. Uh, you know, look at the two teams in the national championship this year, Texas right. Tech and uh, Virginia. They had a very strong identity. Actually, I felt every team that made it to the Final Four this year had a very strong identity. I think your your point is very valid. Um, so I, this, I have a couple more questions for you. Uh, you know, you make a great point, and it just makes me think a lot about how I approach practice now, is that the ultimate goal as coaches when we're dealing with practices to improve game performance and you've talked about it a lot already but what do you think coaches can do to improve this in their practice um to make sure that they're really focusing on game performance well i think i mean this is going to be somewhat controversial but i think you should start with the game and if you're going to do something other than play five on five you should have to explain and have a good reason why what you're doing is going to improve performance more than playing five on five. Um, now, 
you can't play five on five for an entire practice every single day because you're going to end up with injuries and you're going to end up worn out by the end of the season, you know? So, you know, by the end of the season, I'm doing more block practice, um, you know, shortening practice, stuff like that, just because I want to keep players healthy um, and just keep them in, in the rhythm of practicing instead of giving them too many days off. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm trying not to get players hurt, you know, at that point, you know, at that point, you know, it's about performance, not about learning. But I think if you, if you look at practice and you're going to sit down, you're going to play, you're going to practice, plan practice, and you're going to say, okay, I'm going to do this. Why is this going to improve us more than spending those five minutes playing five on five? And you can have on any drill, you can have a good reason, you know, but I think, I really think that if we, if we look at things more, um, you know, in more detail and, and give, and really think about, you know, instead of starting practice with a three man weave every practice, just because that's what we do. And that's what my coach did. And we need to get some running in and blah, blah, blah. You know, why, what, what is that helping us do? How is that improving our performance? What mistakes is that correcting that we make in a game? Do we actually do these things? You know, do we want our, our player to get a rebound, outlet the ball to the wing, and then follow to the sideline? If we don't, then why are we practicing that every single day? Um, you know, so that's, you know, I just think that if, if you start with that, if you say, okay, I'm going to do X drill. Is it better than playing five on five? And if you don't have a really good reason, then don't do it. You know, if I'm going to play three on three, why am I playing three on three? Okay, well, I want to simplify the decision making when we're reading, you know, when we're coming off a ball screen. I want to, make, I want, I want to work on our decision making coming off the ball screen, and I want to simplify the read of the help defender. I'm basically telling them where the help defender is going to be, you know, because I'm putting uh, the third player in one corner or the other. And so they know where the help defender is coming from. Now they just have to get used to using the screen, locating that defender and de deciding whether that defender is down tagging the post. All right, now we need to throw back, uh, you know, to the wing. Or if they're not tagging the post, and then if, if two come to me, then the post is open. If two don't come to me, well, now, you know, am I open or, you know, do we switch or, or what is it? So, uh, you know, that's a reason that's the reason why I'm playing three on three, not five on five. You know, I could do, I could say, Oh, we're not shooting. Well, I needed to do a shooting drill. Okay. I think this is going to improve our shooting more than playing five on five because we can get more repetitions. Okay. What kind of repetitions are we going to get? Are these repetitions going to transfer to the game, you know, um, and stuff. And so I, I think if you start with that um, and really look critically at, whether or not what you're doing impacts game performance, I think that's the best way. That's I, it's a great point, you know, kind of taking from the whole and then breaking it down into smaller versions. That's, that's a great point. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I, I, I kind of love about the book. My favorite uh, is something that is not often talked about in podcasts. It's not talked about in basketball DVDs, but it's something that is so important in the work world and, and the education world and everything that we do as coaches is feedback. 
And I think that maybe one of the most beneficial chapters of your book is feedback on um, which I just, I highlighted a lot of it and I, I could probably do a whole section just on feedback. But one thing that I thought that was really important uh, about feedback, what you talked about is um, the big problem is most coaches lack giving informational feedback that doesn't provide active learning. Um, your book provides great examples of that, of like how to do that. Um, I mean, are examples of an uh, example of that, but how do you, how does one put that into practice? How does a coach change their mindset of um, giving informational feedback instead of the old way of just giving them, that was a bad pass or, um, you know, the book talks about here, let me, if I look at my highlighting here. And just, you know, uh, making sure like, oh, maybe you should hit them back door with a, uh, a, a, uh, a balance pass, you know, more informative. Like how does, how does a coach change that whole, you know, it's a, it's a whole mind shift for most people as coaches, even for me. And I'm only 33 years old and I've, I, most feedback is, you know, most coaches are complaining or they didn't do the right thing. How does a coach change that whole mindset with informational feedback? Well, I think, in in the broadest terms, I think we have to, you know, realize that we're coaching for the players, not for us. I think I think too often, you know, and I see this a lot, I, especially during games. You know, I think I think you know coaches coach as much for the audience as they do, you know, for the for the players. So true. Um, you know, and so uh, you know the best way then to focus on the information was you know don't do that, and it's easier you know, said and done. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that that's the biggest thing to remember is, you know, I mean, it only matters. what you say only matters if it affects the performance. If you're just talking to talk or talk. Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. The way you could help us out over at Coach Unplugged is a couple ways. You can go over and leave a review. That doesn't take you very long. Take you five seconds, leave a five-star review on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you listen to us. You could also help us out by going over and joining teachhoops.com. Um, make a commitment to your coaching. Go join for six months. Go join for a year. Become a better coach. Join our community. Join like-minded coaches that will help you become a better basketball coach. We'll help you with your offense. We'll help you with your defense. No matter what it is, we are here to help you in this journey. So go over and check it out. All right, let's get back to the podcast. You're talking for show, then that's not going to affect performance. Um, potentially could affect performance negatively. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, I've, I've talked – before, I mean, I just, I'll always remember, I went and watched, you know, uh, a high school game, like, uh, a long time ago, and, you know, the coach did the typical, you know, he, you know, player turned it over, uh, you know, it was a girls varsity game between two really good high school teams, uh, and the coach yells out, you know, come on, Jessica, we practiced that yesterday, you know, now, what is that coach doing? Well, is that comment making? Is that comment going to help the player correct the mistake the next rep, You know, the next time she's in that situation. No, all that coach is doing is trying to tell everybody in the audience that it's not his fault. You know, it's the player's fault. We worked on it yesterday. She should know better. It's her fault. Don't look at me. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, you know, so that's that's the first thing. Is to me, you know, most of that comes from, you know, the I think it was. Uh, uh, Ray Lacar, uh, great coach down in Southern California. I think he's the one that told me this, you know, coaching the fishbowl, you know, everybody's always watching you. Um, and that affects, you know, how, uh, you know, people behave, you know, when you're in that kind of fishbowl and everybody's watching you, you know, you behave differently than you would otherwise. Um, and so, 
you know, the only way to change that is, uh, to me is to get experience and to recognize it, you know, and to watch yourself on tape. I mean, I hate watching myself on tape. <laughs> I know there's times in games that I'm an idiot. Um, you know, so I, I just, I hate watching film for that reason. Right. Um, you know, but, uh, in practice situations I had, you know, I had a, a pretty big D one team come in watching one of my girls, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, right before the final four. Um, and so I was at the final four and I ran into their assistant coach who was there and he's like, and, uh, there are a couple other coaches. We were all talking. He's like, is that how you, uh, is that how you always run practice? And I was like, I didn't really know what he meant. Um, and then he, he would start explaining to this other coach what I was doing, you know, and basically as we were playing two and two and, you know, I kind of just stood by the, by the line and as players, you know, finished their repetition, you know, if, if there was something that I wanted to tell them, I just brought them over and I kind of whispered a couple words to them and put them back in line. You know, he's like, that was just, you know, it was so, you know, so good to see and stuff like that. And I was, you know, it's not the first time that a coach has asked me that, like, you know, is that how you normally run practice? And I'm like, my first thought is just to be, you know, kind of a dick. And I'm like, what, do you think I'm putting on a performance for you? Like, you know, I don't, I have college coaches in my gym all the time now. I mean, that's kind of what a junior college is for. Right. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, no, I'm not auditioning for you if that's what you're asking. Um, but that is kind of how I coach. And, and the reason is that, you know, it, that's how I give the information is most of, most of my coaching tends to be individual. Uh, you know, so if, if I, you know, I see a mistake, a girl, you know, didn't read the screen properly, or maybe she should have passed a dribble earlier, or, you know, maybe that was a time where she needed to use her right hand instead of her left hand, or maybe she needs to pull up for a jump shot, you know, something like that. Uh, you know, that's, you know, I just say, you know, Rita, come here. That was, you know, what we worked on yesterday in our individual, that's where you use it. Right. Okay. You know, stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and that's, and you know, even five on five play, that's, that's tends to be a lot of the instruction that I give during practice isn't geared towards, you know, the whole, although sometimes it is, but you know, it's, uh, you know, there's whatever break in the action and I pull one player and Hey, you know, this, this, and this, you know, next time, you know, when you're making the pass to the roller, you know, you've got to make sure that you freeze her defender before you make the pass. Don't allow her defender to, to recover. And if she can recover, then you probably need to, to push it and, and look for your own shot, you know, uh, and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I, I don't do as good a job as I used to at asking questions. Um, I need to get back to that. Um, but, uh, uh, I, I, most of my feedback tends to be individual. And one of the reasons is I think it's easier to be informational in that, uh, because you kind of, at least, you know, what I'm talking about, you know, which I know is hard to visualize maybe, but, um, it takes a little bit of the emotion out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, yell if you're yelling at a player, even if you're trying to give information and you're yelling at a player in the middle of a scrimmage or in the middle of a game, especially, uh, the, the emotion tends to outweigh the information um you know both in terms of you know the coach being emotional and so maybe not giving the information as well or as clearly as he or she would like um but then also how the how the uh, player perceives uh the feedback and the information whether the player even hears um you know the feedback 
Yeah, I, I, you know, one thing I just thought about is like, I think like that infor- inf- informational feedback in that um, that that one to one feedback and constant working on you know the positive or building on that just builds better relationship with your players and trust. I think is another big thing that that type of feedback is more effective for the for the for the for the player itself and um, and the trust that they have within you as your co- as a coach as well. I think is r- very true. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely different personalities that you coach and some. Some coaches, I mean, some players are, you know, better able to handle, you know, yelling and screaming and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, but, but, you know, I do think in, you know, I know with my team, especially, you know, like they just don't handle yelling and screaming that well. Uh, you know, and so if, if I was up, you know, yelling at them every time I wanted to give them feedback, I, I don't think uh, it would be received as well. And I don't think that they, uh, you know, would have improved as much, you know, for some people, you know, it obviously works, you know, there are definitely coaches out there who've had a lot more success than I have, you know, by yelling a lot, mm-hmm. um, you know, so it doesn't mean that it's the only way to do it, but I do think, um, you know, I, it's certainly my preference. And, and I think, you know, I, I had, you know, I was talking to a coach, she had a recruit on, on campus this week and uh, you know, she uh, ran a workout and had the, had the recruit watch it. And afterwards, you know, the vibe she got from the crew was, you know, kind of that she was like too laid back, you know, and was kind of looking, you know, for a coach that, you know, yells more. And, you know, she was kind of like, well, why? You know, like, what, you know, you just want me to yell just to yell? Like, right. You know, were they not working hard? You know, did did we not accomplish what we were trying to accomplish? Like, uh, you know, why, why should I be yelling? Like, why, why should the expectation be, uh, that to have a good workout, I have to yell, you know, um, you know, I just, I think some players are conditioned, uh, in that way because, you know, that's what they're used to, you know, they're used to having coaches yell at them or they're used to watching, you know, the snippets that we see on television or in movies, you know, we, 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 you know, we glorify, you know, you know, coach Carter and what we remember from coach Carter (laughs) is him yelling at a player and, and, um, you know, Hoosiers, you know, we glorify that and we, you know, we remember, you know, him yelling at players and, and stuff like that. And so, you know, subconsciously we think that's coaching, you know, cause that's what Holly was telling us is coaching. And, you know, you know, the, the parts where we really see uh, coaches on TV during games, you know, it's when they're yelling, you know, cause if they're just sitting on the, on the sideline, uh, not doing anything, well, the, why are the, we're not going to show them on TV, just, you know, sitting there with their legs crossed uh, you know, chilling, you know, but if they get up and start screaming at a player and getting in his face, well, that goes on TV and that's what we see. Oh, look, you know, this coach is yelling and screaming at a player that's coaching, you know? And so, so it just becomes part of our, you know, co- subconscious that we, we think I honestly know a coach who I, I will a hundred percent say she was, she was a college coach and she got uh, a new AD was brought in, uh, you know, a new, new AD was hired, you know, early in her tenure um, and basically his first move was to get rid of the coach. And, and to this day, I will say it's because she didn't yell enough. Um, You know, I I really think that the AD, you know, he was a football guy. And so I really think that he thinks coaching is yelling. And so he saw a team that was, you know, didn't win a lot because, you know, it was her first year and she inherited a team that didn't win a lot, Um, you know, and, and he watched her coach and she had a good relationship with all our players. They were improving. They played good basketball, 
but all he saw was they're losing and she's not yelling. She must not be hard enough on them. Therefore, I need to get a new coach. And so he brought in a yeller and a screamer, and they've gotten worse every year. Uh, you know, so it is what it is. But, uh, you know, I just think that that perception, um, you know, kind of, uh, per, you know, is what we look at. And and until we kind of break away from that perception, I, I you know, I don't know how much we can improve coaching. You know, when we look at, you know, the only way to coach is you have to be up yelling and screaming and making scenes on the sideline, uh, you know, instead of really concentrating on, well, you know, what's that yelling and screaming accomplishing? Like, like, what are you telling the players? What's, what are the players getting from the yelling and screaming? You know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it's needed. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, players are playing poorly. Sometimes you have to yell. Sometimes, sometimes punishment is appropriate. You know, sometimes, you know, it's just a bad day and, you know, you need to kick him out of the gym or, you know, you need to, uh, you know, make him run or do something to refocus them. You know, sometimes motivation is an issue. Uh, right. But, uh, but if, to me, if that's an everyday thing, then either you have the wrong coach or you have the wrong players. Uh, you know, because if you have to punish players on a daily basis, to me, something's wrong. Uh, you know, I, I think we probably ran sprints, you know, as punishment. I don't know, maybe twice this year, you know, since August, um, you know, like we just don't, I, it's just not something that I have to worry about with my team. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that is, you know, I'm at the college level, I get to recruit players. So I get to kind of pick and choose who I want to play, you know, who I want to play for me. And consequently it's a little bit easier than, you know, if I'm at a high school where I can't recruit, right. um, you know, and I just, you know, basically have to pick 12 guys in tryouts and hope that, hope that they're good and hope that they're motivated and hope they really want to be in the gym and, and basically hope for the best, you know, and, and some, some will be and some won't be. And, you know, you have to make the most of it, but, you know, so obviously I, you know, from that perspective, I definitely think that college coaching is easier. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, having done both, um, you know, but I, I will say, you know, regardless of your level, if you have to punish players on a daily basis, something's wrong. Right. Whether that's within your culture, within how you're, yeah, yep. Yeah. You know, it it could be that you just have, you know, a player who doesn't want to be there, you know, and, and, you know, the solution is, well, then don't have that player on the team. Right. You know, you know, cause if, if he's, if he's, if he or she is affecting the team that much, well then, you know, the answer is to get rid of the player, you know, and, and stuff. But, you know, I, I just, I just think that, uh, you know, too often we end up in situations where it almost looks like the coaches and the players, you know, are like two different teams. Like they're fighting with each other. They're like trying to get over on each other instead of, you know, they're the same team. Like, you know, you're, your biggest enemy should not be each from other. You, yeah. know, you, need, you need to be coming together to play other teams. And if, and if the coaches and players are two separate entities, uh, you know, there's a problem, you know, and whether that's the problem with the coach or maybe it's a problem with players, maybe it's a problem with the environment. Maybe it's just everything, um, you know, but something has to change. Okay. So you provided a bunch of advice already. So I'm not going to go to that question. My last question I have for you is what's, what's next with basketball for you? Are you going to continue to coach collegially, write any more books, kind of just get really involved in what you're doing right now at the college? Cause it seems like you're pretty excited about that and what you're doing there. Um, just kind of what's next for you in the game of basketball. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any, 
definite plans to leave where I am. Um, you know, it's, I do, I like my players, um, you know, and honestly, you know, I, and I, I like being able to recruit players who, who, you know, I can pick and choose who I want to play for me, um, to a certain extent. Um, you know, so I do like that. Um, you know, I, I had a couple of people talk to me about, you know, assistant positions at higher levels and, you know, it's probably not something that I'm looking to do. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm fairly content where I am. It would, it would take something to, to make me move. You know, I mean, I'm, it's not a full-time job, so, you know, I have other jobs, but, um, and so eventually this is not a, it's not a long-term position. Eventually I'll move for something, but, um, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of like my other jobs too. So I'm not in a hurry to leave. Um, in terms of writing, um, I've actually been working on, um, a couple other projects, um, write a little bit of writing, um, but, uh, that haven't come to fruition, um, quite yet. So I'm hoping to get those taken care of and if not move on, find something else. But I have probably several books that are in various stages of, uh, of incompleteness, um, right now. But the one that I'm probably going to work on this summer is, uh, you know, mainly putting together a handbook for, for my incoming players. Um, but I think that will eventually, uh, become something that I publish as well in some form, kind of, a um, whether, it, and I don't know what it'll end up being, but, um, it'll be a little bit more probably, uh, kind of psych psychology based would be my guess. Um, at least that's where I'm starting with. Um, but just from a perspective of, you know, what it takes to be a player and, and, uh, and stuff like that. Awesome. Definitely player focused. Awesome. Well, I thank, I thank you for your time. Um, and I uh, appreciate all the uh, great uh, tidbits and what we call golden nuggets that we got from you today, uh, uh, Coach McCormick. And we appreciate your time. The best of luck to you next season. And uh, uh, continue to do the great things that you do with the game of basketball. All right. Thank you very much, very yep. much for having me. It's great. Sounds good. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. If you did, go over and leave a five-star review. If you didn't, Turn your turn your iPhone or whatever you're listening to the podcast off. Um, but no, go over and check out teachhoops.com too. If you if you want to give back a little bit, if you want to join our community, if you want to become a better coach, if you want to find the nuances of this great game, if you want to delve into this brain of thirty plus years of coaching, uh, go over and check it out, and uh, we'll help you through this great journey. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network.